Welcome back to the Nutanix Community Podcast with Dwayne Lesnar and Angelo Luciani. Let's get started. This week on the podcast, Dwayne chats with Jerry and Gibson. They discuss Nutanix files with EUC and Nutanix files deployments. It's a great technical talk where they really get into the details. So with that, let's join the conversation. CTP, you know me. Once again, we're always having the most technical guests. And, you know, we have exceptions when Angelo drops in and shares some pearls of wisdom. But welcome me today. We have Jari and Gibson from the solutions team at Nutanix. Hey, Jerry. Hello. What, uh, what is new in your world? Um, everything's new. Clusters, files, Xi, Citrix. <laughs> anything Citrix on Nutanix is pretty much new in my world. It's always uh, something new comes up. So the EUC space is still evolving. Is this what you're trying to tell me? Pretty much, especially with uh, the last year, everything going on with the pandemic. It's it's really uh, been busy. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, one one problem area, another thing <laughs> comes in its spot. So it, I guess it's good from that standpoint, but so from from today's perspective, what I wanted to focus on today is our Nutanix files and how that's addressing the EUC space. And you've been, I guess, <laughs> more than more than up to your eyeballs in doing EUC with Citrix. So uh, from from on prem to the cloud and our own DR service, are you seeing more uptake in files deployments, or how is that? How is it getting implemented today? We've had files for a long time, and it's definitely evolved as a product. So what's your take on it? Yeah, it's definitely been picking up. Um, files is probably one of the busiest things that I talk about recently. It's mostly files and clusters. And so there definitely has been an uptick of customers using files um, for different solutions like FS Logics, uh, app layering user layers, user personalization layers from Citrix, uh, Citrix profile management, any kind of persona slash containerized solution. It seems like we're hitting with customers now looking for that interest in files. Is it safe to say now that most of the deployments that you touch are non-persistent or do you see a, a fair mix still? Uh, I probably would say 70-30, 70% being non-persistent, 30% being persistent. Um, there's still a lot of use cases out there um, that cover both, but majority is non-persistent. Nice. Um, from, from that standpoint, the, the file server itself has, you know, two different share types we've had for a while, the, the user share and I guess the regular share or the distributed share, I guess it was the, the user share. Now, is that kind of a mainstay in most deployments or do you, is there a reason like, I have like a 100,000, not 100,000, that's kind of crazy talk. Let's say 1,000 users. What 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 does my typical deployment look like on a file server? Yeah, so first thing you're going to look at is kind of what solution is being used. Uh, for the majority of solutions, the recommendation is going to be a distributed share. And what that distributed share is going to do, it's going to load balance the user connections uh, across the different uh, file server VMs. So you're not always hitting all the traffic to one file server VM where standard share is always through one and overloading that that file share or that, that file server VM or the node it's running on. So our guidance is always going to start with distributed shares 
no matter if you're 500 users, 1,000 users, or, or 10,000 users, always look at using distributed shares to load balance those user connections, not only just across file server VMs, but across nodes in the cluster as well. Now, there are some cases where you might have to use a standard share for some functionality like app layering, the app layering appliance, or the, even the elastic uh, layers, the way the file structure is. But as far as like user layers, any kind of containerized profile, you always want to go with the distributed share. Um, one of the nice things about uh, files is that we've worked with our files team and given them feedback on making things better for EUC. You yelled so, at them is what you mean. Not really yelled at them. They, they came to us and said, how can we make files better? Because we've they, they've seen our ask in the past. So I think it was Copenhagen at Next where we had, kind of had like a sit-down meeting. Um, oh, and said, remember you know, when we could travel those days? Yeah, we could travel. And they said, what uh, what can we do to help make EUC better? And, you know, things like um, SMB transparent failover with um, continuous available shares, some of the default settings and files. Um, the connected shares feature. So 3.7, um, starting with 3.7, that was a really big release for files so when it comes to these EUC solutions with profiles and stuff. I, I used to look after files as a product under TME and it, we didn't we didn't have that back then. So that's like, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, one of our biggest asks was uh, the CA share, especially with these containerized profiles because, you know, back in older days of EUC, everything was rolling profiles or, or profile management where things were copied down at log on. And depending if it was profile management or just rolling profiles, changes got copied back or the whole profile got copied back on log off. So if there was any kind of issue with the file share, it wasn't that big of a deal because as long as they weren't logging on or logging off when the issue happened, they wouldn't notice it. Uh, but today, with all these solutions either going to a full containerized VHDX container or partial VHDX container, that container is always mounted during the life of the session. So if there's any interruption in the file's uh, infrastructure, the user is going to notice that, and that's, that's going to cause a, a help desk ticket generating event and not have happy users. <laughs> where, where did my desktop go? Yeah. Blank. Or why is it frozen? <laughs> <laughs> Just the internet. Don't worry about it. Please check your service provider. So you, we have these distributed shares, but if I if I start at a thousand, I move to two thousand. You know, like the file server expands. Is it you know is it pretty easy that way? Are there any other steps I need to be concerned about, or just carry on? So the the main thing is is uh, you have the option of scale up or scale out, right? Scale up is going to be increase the file server VM resources to to handle the additional connections or to scale out to have more uh, file server VMs to spread more of those connections out. So it's going to be that case, and it's also going to depend on the size of your cluster, um, how much uh, runway you have to scale up or scale out. Um, but the biggest thing that you're going to do is making sure that with uh, distributed user or distributed shares that each user has their own top-level directory, so those things can get distributed out at the user level, and those can either get scaled up or scaled out based on the size of the environment. Now, do most customers have a dedicated filer, like I guess in the traditional, the tr the olden days, or do they have, um, they're kind of integrating it into their VDI clusters? I would say six one way, half dozen the other. Um, it, it all depends on, the first thing is when you're looking at doing a, a mixed workload cluster, being your EUC workload plus your, your files uh, deployment, is was it sized properly for that from the beginning? So typically, if, if a customer comes in and says, hey, I want to run these side by side with my EUC workloads, 
that cluster is sized appropriately from the beginning. So that's where you see more of the mixed workload stuff. And it's very key to make sure that you are sized properly from the beginning for performance. Um, if it's not, you know, if it's usually, if it's done after the fact, usually they're adding notes to the cluster or they're looking at a, a dedicated files cluster. Um, and usually the larger environments, they're going to go dedicated versus the, the mixed workload type. Does it, do, are there any benefits on the configuration from like a Citrix perspective or, or user like file, whatever other third party software? As far as, so like benefits on the files configuration or just like the, the product configuration? Yeah. Like it, I guess if you, you know, versus one dedicated versus something that's kind of spread out, would you have more file servers? the other way or is it still it's one if it's just one file server it's just one file server but if you end up needing multiple file servers i guess what's the is there a breaking point in in doing in doing that i guess if, if you're gonna have more file servers in a larger environment you probably want to go with a dedicated cluster um because that's going to have the dedicated resources to do that um if it's more target focused like just personalization and profiles you might see that more on the mixed workload type. Um, but definitely if you're using files for more than just the, the profile and persona, like other shares and other data in the environment, or using things like objects too on top of that, you probably want to go more dedicated than mixed workload. So you kind of hinted on that, you know, between the two different share types, if you're using persona management, you might have to go which with the, the standard share. And so what's... What's like, how do you, how do you determine that? Just like any, any application software, you always use, use a standard share? No, typically you're going to use a distributed share um, for the most part, because you want to load balance those connections ac across multiple file server VMs and multiple nodes. Um, for the most part, we're going to recommend using distributed share. There are some corner cases um, where some products didn't support distributed shares because of their file structure or because of uh, just the way they're architected. So I'll pick on one product here, um, app layering from Citrix. Um, the the share for the actual appliance you want to want that on a distributed or a standard share to point to. Um, but when it comes to things like user layers, they had uh, originally or they still have this as a directory structure layout to where the actual users folder is usually a level or two deep from the top level directory, which doesn't distribute properly. So before three seven you had to use multiple standard shares for that to work um, or use things like DFS to kind of trick it to where that path started at a distributed layer um, <clears throat> and so forth. Now in 3.7, they introduced connected shares to where you can distribute a share at any level. And in 3.7.3 or 3.8, can remember the proper the right version, I think it's 3.8, where now you can do a distributed share connected to a distributed share inside of that. So we, we put some things in the product to kind of help further along that conversation of distributed versus standard. So for the most part, you always want to go with standards. I'm sorry, distributed shares and not standard shares. That's good. At least there's like somewhat of, of a default. Now you've been doing a lot of work with FS logic. What, what, what's come out of that? Is there, is it, were you primarily looking at doing scaling or was it more around user design? Like, is it, were you focused on like, how is it going to be for the user or just performance wise? At first, it was how's how's it going to be for the user? Um, because prior to to three seven, uh, there was an extra command you had to configure on distributed shares for FS Logics to work properly. Um, for example, when you configure FS Logics with uh, their VHD locations, 
um, by default, when you first create a profile, it creates a test directory for the user and their user directory. And then once it confirms that, it deletes that that test directory for the user. Because we had some extra security on 3.6 and below, um, that was failing on the delete. And so we put, or I'm not saying we, but the files team put in um, a default setting to where you don't throw that command anymore to where it fully honors the user security and not have the extra security uh, so that folder can't delete. Um, so earlier it was more functionality. Now it's more performance. So with FS Logics, you have two different ways that you can deploy it. One is called VHD locations, where you just point it to a single file share. And then if you want to replicate that or protect that, you're using like files DR, smart DR, or other ways to replicate those containers. <clears throat> they have another fu- functionality called Cloud Cache. And what Cloud Cache does is Cloud Cache allows you to replicate the the containers to up to four SMB locations. So file server A in data center A, file server B, and data center B, and so so on. One thing that we found with Cloud Cache is that it does a lot of extra overhead of performance. Um, so when you're looking at a mixed workload cluster, um, hybrid nodes with, you know, we have the, the combination of flash and spinning storage may not have enough performance for that. So you're looking at all flash in a mixed workload, or you're looking at dedicated files cluster with at least four flash drives in it starting from there. So now... The conversation with that has more focus from functionality to performance and scaling. You, the their caching mechanism, you you had to pin it to SSD, or what? What was the scenario there? You don't have to pin it. What we saw is so we started doing um, in a performance lab. So my counterpart Spin was doing testing, like we do for all of our RAs and stuff, um, to where once you hit a certain point, and I think it was hybrid nodes with two flash drives, um, we started testing. You know, a thousand users. Um, you basically were overflowing the flash tier, it wasn't big enough. And so that's what with cloud cache enabled, since you're, you're basically on a hybrid node cluster, I'm sorry, a mixed workload cluster with hybrid nodes, you're basically doubling your IO because you're writing inside of the user workload and you're also writing to the files deployment. So it was causing that to spill over and causing performance issues. And that's where we started seeing the recommendation of, okay, if you're going to do a mixed workload cluster with cloud cache, you want to look at all flash or if you're going to go to dedicated files with cloud cache, you want to look at at least four flash disk um, to start with for those uh, dedicated files nodes. So Sven's like a, a horizon genius guru. Did you trust his opinion? I, I do. Cause <laughs> Sven is not just only a horizon guru, but he's, he's like a wizard with, uh, with uh, log on VSI and all of our automation and testing that we do for all of our RAs, whether it's Citrix, VMware, uh, the solutions guys we're starting to work on for for these solutions on file. So, you know, Sven's great at more than just Horizon. If you're well, I think if you're a European, you you know, you basically when you get your driver's test, you also take a, a log on VSI test as well to see if you can pass the the credentials. <laughs> <It's>, you, <laughs> there's a lot of good DNA uh, for there. From you, you're mentioning that you can replicate with FS Logics to four different other shares. Does there, like, how does that, like, I, we did recently introduce the same ability uh, to replicate at a share level versus the whole file server. Is there any decision points there or you just kind of go with the FS logics? So uh, it, it depends because FS logics is more at the application level FS logics and all sides it points, it replicates to are all read write. So if you're going between sites like site A and site B, you might want to go with cloud cache. Um, our smart DR is a nice introduction to where we're going with, with the file share level replication. 
Um, but right now it's only a read write on one side and the other side is read only. So it depends on your requirements. If you're primarily going to one data center, um, smart DR is good because you're read writing to that data center. And then there's a, there's an interruption in service that's going to make the other side that's read only to read, write. Whereas FS logic cloud cache, if you're roaming between data centers, you know, a and B depending on your geographic location as an, as an example, you want to be able to write to both sides, not at the same time, but when you're in that data center, you want to make sure you change anything to be able to write uh, to that side. Oh, very interesting. The obviously one of the I don't want to say problem area, but thing that you know it'll eat away at CPU versus all of the the Intel bugs is antivirus. Um, how does antivirus play into using these uh, Persona products? You want to make sure that you have the proper exclusions in. Um, so all these different products, FS Logic, Citrix Profile Management, User Layers, User Personalization Layers, they all come with certain exclusions you want to put in. Otherwise, if you don't put these proper exclusions in for these products, you're going to see things like long logon times, long log off times, performance overhead, definitely going to impact user experience. So, you know, any kind of security product or antivirus, you want to make sure that you follow the best practices for making sure that you're excluding the proper things to not impact user experience, um, but also make sure they're in a secure environment as well. Like we're not going to scan the .dat file, things of that nature, or there's something more specific that we need to hone in on? Like services of the products, like the FS Logic service, for example, or mm-hmm. any kind of DLLs or or core working files, f- filter drivers and so forth of the products to make sure you're not impacting the way those run and work. So that does that happen at the desktop layer or we did introduce antivirus scanning into files uh, a way back if you have like an ICAP supported server? Yeah, so typically you're going to do the for the um, the profile solution that's going to be done on the workload side. Then there's always things like um, how you're going to scan things on the on the file server side for files. So you look at those as well. So it's kind of a two prong approach there. Is there a best practice on scanning the file server? Obviously, you don't want that thing always scanning. There'll be no CPU left for the the shares. Do, are people doing that once a day, or what's their kind of schedule to do a on demand? on-demand scans? Yeah, so typically they're going to be scanning, you know, kind of once things are written, not while they're being, like, copied or, or copied up, but once they're there, schedule scans and, and so forth, being all things to make sure they're not, you know, getting any malware or spreading anything once vials go up and down from, from those locations. From the the antivirus part, is there, is there... Do you have to scale out the antivirus too, or does that... You know, have you seen that become an issue? I've Within seen, ant- yeah, some antivirus products become an issue. And, and typically that's where you're looking at and possibly offloading instead of having to scan inside the image, maybe offload to appliances or, or do, you know, the different things that we've seen with antivirus products, the way they're offloading. That way it's not a big impact in performance to the, to the workload VMs for the users. Now, I, you know, I haven't, I haven't come across it on the customer side um, from VDI, but I've definitely seen it on server virtualization. And some pretty nasty stories of uh, of people coming in and finding ransomware and locking them completely completely out. Do you you know is there anything that we can do to protect the the user environments, both the desktops and the file server from you know like uh, what's our get out of jail card? I guess. 
So there's a couple things, you know, our data protection and being able to to back up and snapshot the data um, can help for as far as like a recovery standpoint. But then you look at our products like file analytics to where you can do like um, some of the ransomware detection and the patterns there to see if something's going on to start blocking access and, and the auditing for that. So our, our data protection capabilities and then our, our files analytics capabilities as well can help from from both an access pattern side and being able to recover that data as well. Nice. The, you know, it, you've been doing work in the area. What, what are the latest as far as reference architectures? Have there been any updates where someone can kind of per, peruse your, your handiwork? Yeah. So we, we just um, did some clusters release. Um, so those are out um, now in our portal. So using Citrix on top of clusters in AWS, so we have um, RAs out there for those for Windows 10, Windows Server 2016, both using machine creation services and provisioning services. Um, Sven today just released a, a good update for Horizon 8 using the AMD processors. And so we're seeing even, even higher scalability on AMD than Intel. So he posted that today. I am getting ready to um, release some uh, RA guides for Citrix virtual apps and desktops with AMD. Um, those are going through the document review process. And then my next slate of things here is actually going to be focusing on solutions guides for files with these profile solutions. So the first one, our testing's done. Now I got to write the guides for it, but our performance testing is done. Um, and so the next step is working on the guides for those for FS logic. So that's the most in demand that we see right now. Um, from there, you'll see guys after that coming along for um, profile management from Citrix with both uh, their container-based stuff they've introduced and their traditional files-based stuff that they've had all along, um, user personalization layers from Citrix, and then app layering with user layers um, as well are solutions guys that we have planned for running on top of files. There's also going to be a, a files best practice guide for just you know user persona um, that that's going to be that that's in the works as well. The, to keep an eye out for. Oh, that, that's pretty awesome. You mentioned AWS as well. Do you, what is the kind of the general flow? Are people just using that from a, a DR standpoint to spin up on demand or do they wanting to run it full time? I, I see the the best use case so far we, we see with customers has been disaster recovery um, and, pos- and, a bur- and bursting use cases. Um, going full time, it may not make the best sense right now, cost wise. Um, but if you're looking to, um, not having to manage physical DR locations and and want to be able to have a DR location that you can, you know, expand when you need the resources, clusters is a good use case for that. Um, you know, think about the pandemic when people shifted a lot of workers to remote work and they necessarily might not have the, the resources to take that load of users on. Um, bursting um, to clusters would help that use case as well, um, either temporarily or, you know, while they're waiting for hardware or for a certain period of time um, until they can get those users back into the office uh, based on the, 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 the stages of the pandemic. Yeah, EC2 is, uh, can be an expensive proposition um, that you probably don't want running all the time. So customers have like a base, like a, a small three-node cluster, and then are expanding on on failover. Yep, correct. So start, yeah, start with like your your base three node cluster to replicate to. Once once from there, you can expand that cluster up to to sixteen nodes supported today. Um, and if you need more than sixteen nodes, you can have multiple clusters in a 
uh, availability zone or have multiple clusters across multiple availability zones in the same region. Um, so it all depends on your requirements and size. But the nice thing is that you can scale the clusters up. Um, you can shrink them down easily back to three nodes, hibernate them, um, then resume them. Um, and um, expand them again based on your requirements because you don't want these things running all the time at max load 24-7 if you don't need to. That way you're not incurring compute costs that you don't need to pay for. I know we have a fairly easy way to trial that offering and there's test drive. Is it also pretty easy on the third-party side to get like a copy of FS Logics and go off and build that out? Or Yeah, so FS Logics um, pretty much is available to almost everyone based on their Microsoft entitlement. Um, and to be able to download and try FS Logics, it's going to be on the, the Microsoft site. It, it's not, it's not uh, password protected. You can just download it and, and go. And Microsoft lists all the different uh, entitlements you have, you know, RDSH, CALS and SALS, Office uh, 365 entitlements, Windows 10 Enterprise and Education. Um, so pretty much most customers will fit into some form of entitlement for FS Logics. And then as far as getting access to Citrix, um, that's going to be behind a pay or but not a paywall, but behind a password protected site. Um, and the, the trial process is not as easy as it used to be. So you're, you're going to have to work probably with the partner or with Citrix to either get a, a trial of, um, virtual apps and desktops where you manage the control plane or virtual apps and desktop service where they host the control plane and you're just using the workloads, um, in the location that you desire. Yeah, I think, well, I would assume, I guess, if they're looking from a DR, they probably might have access to it already. But if you're, yeah, brand new uh, coming to it, that's, I guess that's one thing. I actually forgot that FS Logics was bought by Microsoft. <laughs> I haven't really uh, kept up in that space. So, yeah, any anything else on the, the file server and persona side that it would, you'd find interesting or where to find some more information for the listeners? <laughs> Yeah, so you can go to uh, our site on uh, Nutanix.com and, and look under the, the file section. There's all kinds of information out there about files. Um, if you're a member of the CUGC, I've, I've done a webinar recently uh, in the past with files for Persona. So using like Citrus Profiles and FS Logics and so forth. Um, there's also a recording from the Zenat Blog Virtual Expo I, I did recently about all of our updates um, and some of the, the, the configuration and workaround for um, these different solutions on files. So, so look out for those. And then for the future, um, look out for uh, the solutions guides for these specific solutions. The other thing too, is if you're just getting into files, I recommend starting with the latest and greatest. It's like files 381 or, or something in, in that uh, 3.8 um, release uh, cycle, but make sure you start out with there. Um, all the goodness that I talked about started with 3.7 and 3.7.1. And then from there, they just improved with, with 3.8 and going forward, especially the smart DR feature. That, that's going to be in 3.8, but get the latest 3.8 release and start from there and then always reach out to your local teams to help out with any questions and they, they pull you know members of our team like myself in if it's something specific to like FS Logics or app layering or or profile management. That actually reminds me of uh, talking about newer features. On the VDI side, are people utilizing the file analytics to help them in any way? Or is that more for server server shares? So some some are just to see for auditing for for the, the malware the malware protection you know that that kind of stuff. So we do have customers using it. It's included with files. Um, there's no reason not to use it. Um, I'd like to see some further enhancements to to make that even better for things like persona and profiles. But uh, that's something we can talk about offline because I don't want to tip any hat to anything. 
No, sounds good. Well, appreciate you coming on and kind of giving an overview on the persona side. I think that's kind of like the the linchpin for an successful VDI deployment. You like, you can't really. <laughs> there's just too many ways to kill yourself on a static deployment. Even though I'm not gonna, you know, they're there for a reason. I, you know, use cases uh, be lore. But yeah, thanks again. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed that. Be sure to check out the Nutanix online community at next.nutanix.com where you'll find community blogs, discussion forums, user group information, and training and certification news. So with that, from your friends here at Nutanix, have a great week. Music.